I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. All right, today I want to welcome Catherine Van Vano. She is the president and CEO of 24-7 VA. That's a trusted remote staffing company that's dedicated to helping business owners find highly talented individuals across the globe so that they can save time and money and focus on their on growing their business. Uh, kind of an interesting note, uh, I was recently in Catherine's neck of the woods. She lives in Berlin, Maryland, which is a delightful little town right near the beach on the eastern shore of Maryland. And um, and so we were just catching up about uh, life on the eastern shore. Catherine, welcome. Thank you, Craig. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, um, so first, first off, there's still people out there that don't know what a VA is. What, what is a VA? Okay. So I think the conception that most people think when they hear the term virtual assistant or VA is uh, that it's somebody that can do admin tasks for my business. Somebody that can help me with the remedial, low-level tasks that um, that are part of the day-to-day running of a company, uh, and that's what I mean. That clearly is 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 what some virtual assistants do. But there are virtual assistants that are web developers. There are virtual assistants that um, run run marketing campaigns and can run your PPC advertising. Uh, There are virtual assistants that are bookkeepers. Um, So the term virtual assistant in our company spans all skill sets. Uh, It's not just those remedial admin tasks. But um, so we have clients that come and hire through our company for just about anything, any job that can be done remotely. Uh, As long as, uh, um, you know, it's not packing boxes. (laughs) And it's not face-to-face sales, um, you know, it can, you know, whatever can be done with a computer, a phone line, internet connection, uh, that's, you know, the skill sets that we place virtual assistants with our clients for. Yeah. And and wh- where are the virtual assistants usually located? Uh, well, uh, the Philippines is probably the uh, Philippines and India are the two biggest hubs. Um, and that's just because... Uh, the BPO industry uh, really grew out of those countries where you had your Fortune 500 companies um, offshoring and outsourcing to um, to companies in those in those countries. I think you know the IT industry heavily focused on India, whereas the customer service industry heavily focused on the Philippines. Uh, just mainly because in the Philippines, English uh, is a national language that's taught through their school systems. So um, 
the communication skills of the workers in the Philippines uh, is very high. Um, but anyhow, yeah, so those were the two big hubs. Uh, you know, we started in the Philippines. Um, that's where I had my first virtual assistant uh, when I started this company. Um, since then, we've expanded uh, into many other countries in Asia. Um, we're in South Africa. Um, we um, just recently created recruitment streams in some of the Latin American countries to bring in bilingual Spanish English speaking virtual assistants because we're seeing our clients are are requesting that. So we are are, are more on a global scale now um, than than when we first started. But virtual assistants come from anywhere. There's virtual assistants from Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine is a very um, a popular. Um, uh, for IT related skill sets. Um, so, you know, just about, you know, there's so many world communities that just don't have the opportunities that the United States worker has. And, um, and so uh, as these countries evolve uh, and they learn more about remote work, work online opportunities, um, it's spurring their economies, and um, and it's really a good thing. Well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting with with the advent of COVID. You know, we kind of came to this realization that all these jobs are based in the Bay Area or you know wh wherever. That a lot of those jobs don't need to be there, and and so a lot of the you know Silicon Valley workers ended up going inland. I know. <laughs> No, they up and left. <laughs> so this is kind of you know. So if, if we focus on the Philippines, Philippines is a little bit ahead of us. Mm -hmm. They are. They that well. Their infrastructure may not be ahead of us, um, but um, uh, but definitely their their realization of what could be in terms of remote work opportunities. Uh, yeah, uh, and and I do think it was spurred by the American. Um, businesses yeah. uh, that, that, you know, showed them it was an avenue. Well, you know, one of the things you mentioned was you were talking about English as a national language. I, I, I think there's even a little bit more teeth to that. I mean, it, at least when I lived there, I was surprised to find uh, discover English was the national language. I thought it was, I thought it was Tagalog mm -mm. and I discovered you travel a hundred miles and the Tagalog that you speak is different than the Tagalog they speak. And so English is the unifying language of it the, is. in the Philippines. It's amazing. I know <laughs> when I learned that I couldn't believe it, but yeah, they have different dialects. And so, yeah, really, you know, one side of the Philippines is not able to communicate with the other side of the Philippines without English. Yeah. Unifying factor. Yeah. So and I don't know when that started, but they're, they were smart about that uh, because I think that's why uh, they had this opportunity with the, the BPO industry growth. Yeah. So what's BPO stand for? Business process outsourcing. So um, this is what the, you know, the big Fortune 500 companies started doing oh, many years ago. Um, but they would, you know, take their customer service department and totally offshore that uh, to a company in the Philippines. And, and you see that all, all the time when you're calling the customer service department of any major company, uh, you're, you know, sometimes you're like, 
where are you located? And they say, you know, oh, I'm in Texas. And you're like, oh, great. <laughs> I think that's, you, you, we're seeing a little bit of a back pedal um, of some of those jobs coming back uh, to the United States, whereas, you know, because there was, there was a backlash um, from the customer, I think from the consumer with a lot of these com companies. Uh, maybe not with the Philippines BPOs, but in other countries where the communication, there was some communication barriers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the things you mentioned was the infrastructure. Um, I know that in places like Cebu in the Philippines mm -hmm. and Manila, because of that investment, there's, you know, at least in terms of internet, there's good infrastructure there. You know, nationwide, it's not the same infrastructure we have here in the U.S., mm -hmm. but yeah. I just didn't want people to walk away with the impression that, uh, you know, like Internet would be spotty. I mean, we have that in the U.S. Yeah. Um, oh, that's for sure. Depending on your carrier, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, no, no. In the metropolitan areas, uh, yeah, you've got very stable. Plus, there's so many co-working spaces that... If, you know, something goes wrong, I mean, you know, you see people relocating to a co-working space to be able to, to do their shifts. It's in the province areas um, that you find the, the infrastructure issues, um, but it's improving. I mean, you know, I think it's, I think the country as a whole sees it as their bread and butter and, and there are improvements being made. Um, someday we'll have global satellite internet and the whole world would be on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Now, one of the things that you talked about was how it, it's making a difference in the lives of the people in, in the Philippines. Um, what, what impact is that having? Oh gosh. Um, it, it, people can feed their families. I mean, it's really that basic. Uh, that that we're bringing rewarding career opportunities and employment opportunities to people that otherwise would not have those opportunities at all. Um, and, you know, one one of my birthdays, I got a video card from, you know, several of my team members and and our virtual assistants. But, you know, the underlying theme throughout it was just thank you for the opportunity, because they're so grateful to have a job. Um, they're so grateful to be able to provide for their families. And in the Philippines, um, the family unit uh, is, is, is not as similar to the family unit here in the United States. I mean, they live with their, they, it's, it's generations live together. Mm-hmm as a family, um, whereas you don't see that, uh, you know, here, it's more the nuclear family here in the U.S. versus generational family living under one roof. Um, so, you know, they're caring for their their grandparents and they're taking care, you know, these workers are not only they're taking care of their nuclear family, but they're taking care of their grandparents as well. Um, so very, a lot of pride. <laughs> Uh, that they have and um, and yeah and and you know they also you know value family a lot so the work-life balance of being able to uh, to, to be able to work from home um, and you know 
with your family all around you is 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 you know it's just indescribable for them they, they, you know and I, I I work from home too and I have my family around me so it's it's just the best that it yeah. can yeah now what what about the kind of the education level you know and so that's I think a lot of people would be worried about that yep no um uh the educational background of workers in the Philippines is very similar to those in the United States. Um, uh, you know, for our company, uh, everybody coming through the door has a college education. I mean, so education is highly valued. Um, uh, it is attainable. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they they come to us with a four year degree. Uh, and they really love, you know, they have a four-year degree in graphic design or, or you know, content, you know, write, you know, English and writing. And um, so they're able, you know, to come to our company and be promoted out for jobs that are in their skill area rather than, you know, having to go into uh, a customer support role. Um, we see a lot of people that migrate out of the the BPOs there, you know, these big organizations, and they migrate um, to our company. Uh, you know, after ten years of being in a customer support role, they you know they want to get back to what their real skill area is and um, and work from home doing that. So, you know, one of the things that it's I think it's hard to appreciate living in the U.S. is what it's like over there, you know, so, and now it's been decades since I've set foot in the Philippines, but when I was there, that one of the things that struck me was you have extreme poverty and extreme wealth, and there's not a lot in between. And my guess is these jobs are actually kind of a middle class. Yep. They're creating a middle class. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, So I haven't, I haven't viewed it like that, but that is very, yeah. Um, I believe that is what these jobs are creating. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's opportunity to, to do good and virtuous things. And when I was there, there was a lot of things that weren't exactly virtuous that, you know, people were doing to, you know, make a living for themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And people are exploited um and then put into unsafe conditions um so yeah this is uh you know providing these types of job opportunities is a real win it's a win for american businesses um and i say that because you know not that um we're moving jobs offshore for away from american workers but um it you know, if you're able, if a small to medium sized business is able to offshore key components of their their business functions at a lower price, because, you know, our rates are lower than U.S. labor rates um, at a lower price that enables them to funnel that money that they would have spent on American labor into marketing so they're spurring you know companies like yours they're giving more business they have more money to advertise and and they have more money to to pull in uh talent that can really you know be revenue generating talent for their company um and so they're able to scale 
Um, so that's why I say it's a win-win because it's providing job opportunities offshore, but it's also enabling these businesses to scale and pour more of their money back into the U.S. economy and through marketing efforts and other avenues. Um, so I, you know, I, I, you may look at me as a globalist and, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I tend to think, um, uh, that, um, that I'm a little bit of both, you know, yeah. so. how, how did you get into this? How? Uh, well, uh, I retired, I, I had a career at Blue Cross Blue Shield Association for, for many years, um, while I was there, I um, I had four children, uh, and uh, when my youngest was just turning one, I sort of looked at my husband and said, "I gotta, I, I you know, uh, the whole reason I had children is because I want to take care of them and I want to be part of their lives." So I retired from my corporate job and became a stay-at-home mom um, for ten years. Uh, and while I was doing that, my husband, uh, he's an entrepreneur started a lot of companies. Um, but one of the things he asked me for help with, with his companies was staffing them. Uh, and, uh, and so I started exploring the freelance marketplace. Uh, and back then it was Odesk. That's now the Upwork and Elance. Mm -hmm. uh, but I started exploring that and um, I found talent there, but it was really hard. Um and, uh, you know, and, and I had a lot of bad, you know, bad situations where I'd start somebody, I'd give them all our, you know, you know, count logins and everything, you know, to help us create, you know, a, wet, a website or something. And then they just were gone. And yeah. I had no way. Uh, I was like, okay, <laughs> what am I going to do? So it sort of evolved from that. Um, my husband actually is the one that did the initial formation of 24-7 VA, the licensure and, you know, the naming. Um, but it was, uh, you know, really my um, uh, my understanding and, and, and my, my it was eye opening that, you know, if I could bring a solution to small businesses where, um, they didn't have to go to these talent marketplaces and go through the same experiences I did. And I could create a recruitment stream and a vetting process um, to be able to supply them with talented, skilled individuals that that I knew if they you know, said that they were um, an expert in Excel, that I've tested them in that. And I know that they really are. If I could bring that to small businesses, I, I you know. I thought it could explode. And, and so here I am, we've been on the Inc. This is our second year on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies. Um, and I just found out that we also are one of the, um, uh, I don't know if they call it a finalist or, um, but for uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, America's top small businesses, from the Eastern region, they picked 10, 10 businesses were one of those. So I know the concept is resonating. Um, it's resonating with business owners. Uh, COVID actually helped our business um, because it really showed business owners that uh, remote work could be productive work. Um, and the tools that 
the tools for remote work productivity that grew out of COVID um, are amazing. Um, so it just was a catalyst for, you know, for the concept of, of what our company is about. Yeah, well, that's neat. So what does, you know, as you're doing this, and as you're leading teams all, all around the world, what does leadership mean to you? Oh, uh, uh, you know, uh, leadership uh, to me is all about um, instilling integrity, instilling, um, you know, uh, 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 allowing for opportunities for expansion, um, uh, leading by example. Um, I have I have an incredible team that surrounds me. Um, I don't interface with them all every single day, but those that are very close to me um, are really intelligent. <laughs> uh, and I I really lean on them uh, as a leader for for guidance. So uh, you know a leader is is somebody that can really um, uh, depend also on others uh, in terms of you know listening. Uh, to what they have to say, um, knowing uh, what motivates them, uh, making sure that I'm making decisions that resonate with them um, because they're the ones that are implementing those decisions. And if it doesn't resonate with them, uh, you know, it's not going to be successful. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's what it's all about to me. Yeah. Is there a time where you feel like your your leadership was really challenged, almost like a white knuckle moment where? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I have a lot of white knuckle moments uh, in, in leading because of the challenges of remote team. Uh, we are fully, we're a remote first company and we're fully distributed. So I am the only member of the team here in the United States. Uh, everybody else is somewhere else in the world. Um, so, you know, as we expanded, as we grew beyond the, the Philippines uh, and st started onboarding um, uh, people from other countries and, and cultural backgrounds, um, you know, it was hard because, you know, diversity is a strength. And, you know, I'm all for, you know, DEI and um, that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's, you know, the big buzzword um, that's going around. But our company has been practicing that, you know, for so long. But when you have people from diverse cultures, it's for instance, if you're a company in New York and you have a job opening and, you know, I, most of the time you're hiring from that community. Right. So everybody sort of has everybody sort of likes the Jets or the Giants or, um, you know, New Yorkers are New Yorkers. Uh, you know, they all they have this cultural identity that's similar. Um, so when they all come into a company, it's very, you know, everybody sort of has the same mindset. Um, when you're when you have a team where someone's from India, someone's from Pakistan, someone's from the Philippines, someone's from Argentina. Someone's from South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa. Um, you have 
a variety people with with such differences in their backgrounds and their cultures the way that they communicate um so i think that was the biggest thing for me in terms of um of managing a team with diverse cultural backgrounds uh, and having them be understanding to one another. Uh, The way someone speaks from India when they're trying to get a point across is different than the way someone speaks from the Philippines that's trying to get a point across. So sometimes it's, and I'm just using those two as an example, um, but sometimes the receiver of the communication gets a little, you know, irritated, like, you know, are they speaking to, you know, are they demeaning me? And, you know, because they're speaking and it's not that it's just cultural differences. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, you know, trying to foster in an inclusive and cohesive work environment, um, has been my biggest challenge uh, in terms of working with with my team. But um, I learned the value really of active listening because that's what it's all about. Um, You really need to listen to somebody to truly under and, and give them that attention. A lot of people, you know, hear something because someone says it and then they take it the wrong way. Um, So, you know, I, I, I try to teach the team, you know, what active listening is all about Um, and acceptance of feedback um, because, you know, there are times when the the person that's that's communicating doesn't understand why the receiver is acting and you know responding in a particular way. So it's just diversity. Diversity is hard in a remote team, um, uh, but um, but I think that's you know probably yeah. If if I was to choose one, it would be it would be that. Well, well, thanks for sharing that, and uh, thanks for coming on Leaders and Legacies. How can people reach you? Uh, well, our website is our main main avenue, uh, and, and our company is is name is spelt a little different. Uh, it's a challenge, and then so I blame that on my husband all the time. Like, why, why? <laughs> so we even had to create a jingle uh, so that people would remember. But uh, it's it's uh, two zero, the number two the number zero, you spell out four, F-O-U-R, the number seven, V as in virtual, A as in assistant.com. So um, two, two zero, F-O-U-R seven, V-A.com. Visit us on our website. We've got so much information there. We have, you know, you can read about the impacts that we're doing around the world. We do a lot of uh, impact hiring uh, projects. So we just and just did a project in um, in in South Africa, Buffalo City, um, where we took a cohort of 32 young women and and they we sent them through training and then we had a tech center there that provided the space for them to work and and we promoted them to our clients. But you know, just changing one community at a time. Um, but we've got all of that there. So you can see all of our, you know, that type of corporate social responsibility type work. Um, but there's also, I mean, it, it explains everything. So if you don't know what a virtual assistant is, or you don't know the types of tasks that you could possibly outsource to a virtual assistant, 
our website is full of information. Um, we have, you know, success stories from clients on there. You can read about that and, and how they, we have some really great clients that's left us some beautiful video testimonials that sort of paint the path. You know, this is what I did and this is what I did next, you know, for, for business owners, but our website's the biggest thing go there. And um, we're also on all the, the social channels, Facebook, um, Twitter, I don't know, <laughs> Instagram, um, but yeah, you can find us there at 20FOUR7VA. Well, Catherine, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I really enjoyed this. I didn't know you were such a, that you knew so much about the Philippines. That was, uh, I was unprepared for that, but, um, but I had a really good conversation with you. So uh, I did as well. All right. <laughs> thank you again. All right. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.